Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Mid Year, session number 519. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have a great conversation with Dr. Caleb Marsh talking about how to figure out if you're a good fit for a new medical school because he is working at one of the newer medical schools that is yet to uh, recruit their first class. They're still waiting on their preliminary accreditation. We'll, we'll jump into that in a minute. First, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know that they have a free account that gives you access to a half-length diagnostic, a full-length exam, as well as a spaced repetition flashcard program platform, as well as a spaced repetition flashcard platform and their amazing study planner tool and so much more. Go check it out, blueprintmcat.com. Let's go ahead and jump in to our episode today talking with Dr. Caleb Marsh about extracurricular activities, applications, applying to medical schools, all kinds of amazing, amazing conversation. Again, with Dr. Caleb Marsh, Director of Pathway Programs and Recruitment at Thomas F. Frist Junior College of Medicine. It's a new medical school in Nashville, Tennessee. Again, they're not officially recruiting for their first class yet, but stay tuned for when they are. Dr. Caleb Marsh, welcome to the pre-med years. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Ryan. It's good to see you. It's great to see you. It's been a while. It has been a little while. Uh, I'm excited to chat with you today about a lot of probably different topics, but the the biggest topic being extracurricular activities. Um, I'm passionate about extracurricular activities. I think you're passionate about extracurricular activities. I'm going to tell you why I'm passionate about them, and I want to see what that kind of sparks in, in you here for a second. I'm passionate about extracurricular activities because I've looked at enough applications by now. I have a whole series on YouTube called Application Renovation where I look at an application and I go, I love that you got a 4.0. I love that you got a 528. I literally had someone on there, season three, perfect stats, who didn't get into medical school because their extracurriculars did not show that they were passionate about being a doctor, that they had any knowledge of what it was like to be a doctor. And so I'm passionate about extracurriculars, number one, because 
I think you have to prove that to yourself and to medical schools that you understand what it's like to be a doctor and to show that you are a normal human being and not just checking off all of these boxes. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's ditto. And I love your, I love, I love your bits where you go over these applications with these students that, that, that essentially kind of call in, y'all go through them line by line. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love watching you do this um, because you always bring up some, such great points about what they need or what they're missing because I think there can be blinders, right? Like they're yeah. they're really focusing on the grades, which we get that, right? They need to focus on the grades and they need to focus on the test scores. We know that unfortunately is is such a big part of this process, but you're right. Like they, they don't need to miss these other opportunities for growth personal growth, professional growth, um, and sometimes just fun, right? I mean, these, these yeah. extracurriculars, not just teach them how to be a doctor, as you said, uh, or what being a doctor is like, or what they can expect from working in a clinic or a hospital, but they teach them also, you know, how to interact with their fellow humans, <laughs> primarily their patients and their colleagues, right? Their, their patients and colleagues don't exist in a vacuum. And so neither should their activities either. So I, I love I love them. I know we're both passionate about this, and so that's one of why your your application renovation is one of my favorite bits. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about this too. I, yeah. I love it. So yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about. So let's let's talk about you for a second. You've been in the pre health pre med world for a long time, post back world for a while. And now you're on the med school side of things at a new medical school, Belmont. What's the official full name of, of Belmont, the medical school? Yeah, it's it's the Thomas Frisk College of Medicine at Belmont University. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it's it's in it's being constructed, it's being built. Uh, they're putting it up right now. We're expected to open our doors and start accepting the students in 2024, but we've got a lot of work to do before that, right? We're laying yeah. the groundwork for all of that. We always think of it kind of like a startup. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when we're ready to start recruiting students, we're we're chomping at the bit to be able to do that. And so, uh, but, the, but the Thomas Brist College of Medicine at Belmont University will exist soon uh, in its full form. But you're right. Uh, before this, I was a health professions advisor for many years. Um, Baylor University, University of Texas at Austin, Southern Methodist University, then went on to Temple to become a health professions advisor there in Philly uh, and with the post-bac program. So I learned a lot about non-traditional students. And, and as you know, activities and extracurriculars for uh, non-traditional students sometimes even become more important because you're, tr you're trying to now prove something different that you might've spent a large part of the first part of your life proving. Yeah. Um, and then on to, to Nashville here, we're the third allopathic medical school in Nashville, Tennessee. And, and it's a, it's a really exciting time to be here at Belmont working to start this school up. That's awesome. Third yeah. allopathic in Nashville. Vandy is obviously there. What's the other yep. one? Meharry. So we oh, have Meharry, yeah. Meharry. Uh, Vanderbilt and the Thomas Frist College of Medicine. That's yeah. interesting. I obviously know of Meharry. I don't think I ever knew like where it was. So it's in Vandy as, or in uh, Nashville as well. That's awesome. That's correct. Okay. Yep. So three medical schools in a great, uh, great town that's getting a new football stadium, I believe, as well. That's um, right. Yeah. So everything's happening in Nashville. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, obviously you mentioned right uh, kind of the startup mentality it's a new medical school there there have been a lot of new medical schools over the, the years um recently there there was a, a kind of a pause for a long time and now uh more medical schools are opening both do and md 
What do you think those, and you're not on the admissions committee, you're not building the, the, the admissions kind of requirements and all of that, but what do you think those conversations are like to say, okay, folks, like when we're looking at an application, this is the type of student that we're looking for. And these are the types of activities that we believe are going to best suit the needs and, and our mission here at our medical school. Yeah, I, I think... I think what we're looking for, what we will be looking for, are what any new medical school would be looking for, right? Um, any any new adventure, you know, you kind of have to have an Indiana Jones mentality, right? You, you're you're willing to try something new. You're willing to swing from your whip, uh, you know, over that gorge. You have to be adventurous. You have to be willing to deal with ambiguity. You have to be willing to say, you know, this might be. I, I'm building this with them. The, with the new medical school, right? Yeah. The new medical school is building at the same time. And I'm a part of that. So you have to kind of understand that uh, it takes a certain personality. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the difference between saying I'll work at IBM or Dell or a big computer <laughs> company or a tiny startup, right? And and so, yes, you get those those big, big, big schools with big names that have well-established histories. And that's amazing and incredible. Uh, but there's also something really cool about being in the part of something new and building from the ground floor. So I think the, the, the types of experiences and the attitude at a new medical school are the things that people will be looking for. Um, I know admissions committees at those kinds of medical schools will be looking for those kinds of things. And so that's just that's kind of the first thing I think about is just that yeah. ability to say, I understand this is something new and I'm, and I'm, and I'm ready to tackle that. It's, take that on. Yeah, it's interesting because I've often talked to students about that need for the student to understand uh, because I, I get that question a lot, whether it's just on, online or, or um, through email, whatever. Um, the, the question of, should I be concerned about going to a new school? Again, there, there've been yeah. a lot of new schools recently. Should I be concerned about going to a new school? The general fear is that the student going to a new school is not going to be able to practice medicine, right? They're not going to be able to graduate. They're, it's, they're, the school is going to uh, like implode and, and whatever, right? That, that's the first fear. So in general, I'm like that historically has never happened, at least in, in recent right. years, not going to be a problem. There, there is one school that's dealing with some issues right now. Hopefully they, they fix those issues out in California. Um, but generally those fears get pushed aside pretty quickly. And then the conversation switch, switches to, and I, I have this conversation with the students, is you have to be okay with uncertainty. You have to be okay with changes in direction. You have to be okay with building uh, together with them and, and wanting to kind of be the, the standard maker at a new school. And it, it's interesting I have those conversations with students. I've never thought about it, I don't think, from the admissions side of things, potentially specifically looking for those types of students um, in those activities of like, hey, this student has started a pre-med organization. They're definitely the type of student we're looking for, potentially, right? Because, Because they are the ones that are out there starting things, building things. They're okay with building processes and systems and uncertainty and all that stuff. I don't think I've ever thought about it from, from the admission side of things. It's in, an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, and I think, too, you're right. Those, those same folks also have to have a willingness to kind of speak up and, and weigh in and say, this is what's going well. Uh, this is what could be improved. 
and and be okay with with saying you know that out loud in a comfortable and safe space to say that. So I think those are all all yeah. really important pieces of that. Uh, on top of just am I adventurous? Yeah, because you know some people are like, yeah, I'm ready to go, and then they get there and they're like, oh, but but I how do I how do I enact good. change? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so basically, yeah. what you're looking for are the top Yelp reviewers in the pre med <laughs> world. <laughs> like imagine, imagine, and, and I've seen these students, I, I've seen the activity on, on an application where someone is like, I'm a like, whatever the platinum level Yelp reviewer. I'm like, that's interesting. Sure. Definitely put it on your application. Why not? It shows a lot of things. Sure. But I'm like, oh, that'd be, that'd be cool, right? That's somebody who's not afraid to go out and go, this is good. This is bad. This is what I would change here. Here are problems. Here are solutions. Um, historically, how do you, how do you think that works it we in in medicine uh have a hierarchy problem um where medical students come in and they are underlings to professors to attendings um and there's always a constant fear of reprisal a constant fear of if i say something this person is going to write me a bad uh, evaluation for my rotations. They're going to write me a bad whatever. Um, and that one person potentially can can just completely derail my career. How does a, a school, whether it's your school or, or any school in general, set up a safe, sp- uh, a safe space like you were talking about? And I think this is important whenever you're kind of looking around at your student affairs offices at different schools, meeting the people in those student affairs offices and talking to them about their processes, talking to the people. Are you supported? Do they feel like family? Um, do Are they people that are that are, um, are, are do they have an open door policy and are they going to listen to your concerns and talk to you about them? And, and it takes a lot of trust, right? I mean, uh, you, you have to you have to trust that the advice that they're giving you is good. Um, you have to trust that that when you in a, when you act on that advice, that it's in your best interest. So there is a lot of give and take there. And, and if it doesn't feel like family, and if it doesn't feel like they're there to help and support you, and it and it seems to be a very kind of like combative atmosphere or an atmosphere where you know they're just trying to herd cattle through their school. Um, yeah, you, 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 and you'll get that interview day is an important time to kind of, uh, for a student, if they get there and they get an opportunity to interview that they can talk to the people, meet people at the school, talk to the students on interview day and find out if they feel supported. Um, you know, you can't, you can't rely always on things like Reddit and SDN and all these other places to, <laughs> to look at. I mean, while, while those can be one story, right. Uh, interview day is another great place to, to talk to those folks. And so, yeah, yeah you, you have to, you have to do your homework. Um, and sometimes it's just fit where you feel, where, what feels like home to you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think really it starts with those, uh, at the front door with, with admissions, with recruiting, uh, with student affairs, uh, how committed are they to well, the wellness of the student? Um, and how are they helping you balance your life? Because if they help you balance your life from the beginning, the idea is that they will help you continue to do that throughout the process that you're, you're training to be a physician. Yeah. So let's let's circle back to uh, extracurricular activities again. Sure. Um, when a student thinks of extracurricular activities, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it seems like the first thing they think about is I need research. What, what, are yeah. your, what are your thoughts about that? That, in my mind, an overemphasis on research for a medical school application. Yeah, couldn't agree more. 
I think there's an overemphasis on it. I always say, do you want to be a researcher? <laughs> do you want to get an MD, PhD? Mm-hmm. If you did, a, one of my favorite questions to ask students if they, if they, uh, they mention this is, what would happen if you went to an interview and no one asked you about your research? Would you be upset? <laughs> I love that. Or question. would you just go, or, right? Like, like yeah. would you be mad that they didn't ask you because if you're, because you're thinking, oh, I did all this research so that I would get asked about it at my interview and they didn't ask me. If that was your concern, then you were doing the research for the wrong reason, right? Like yeah. you, you really want to do it because it's something that you love. It's something that you're passionate about. It's something that is additive to that DO or MD that you're going to, to get. And if you don't look at it through that lens, yeah, it's not worth doing, uh, in my opinion. And, yeah. and yes, schools have different emphases, emphases on those things. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, do you want to be a researcher or not? If you don't, uh, probably best to, to spend, spend. I always say, do you want to spend time in a clinic or hospital or do you want to spend time in a lab? Yeah. And almost every student that I talk to says, I would much rather spend time in the hospital or clinic around patients. Yeah. And to me, that's the answer, right? That That is almost always the answer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you, don't, you don't need to be doing research then. Even yeah. if you want to go to a medical school that emphasizes research, they're not looking yep. for people who have tons in research. They're just looking for, yep. for students who understand the benefit of research and are interested in doing it and all that fun stuff. But, but they, and, and even if you say, even if you say, I tried research, and it wasn't for me, there's also value in that, right? At your interview, you can say, because what 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 you don't want to ask is somebody says, have you ever done research? And you say no. And they say, well, why not? And you never even tried it. You never yeah. dabbled in it. You never even explored that. And, beca- and if you did and you still say, I don't enjoy it, that's even better in my opinion. Yeah. Because that says, I, ta- I tasted the recipe and it wasn't my thing. Yeah. I'm going to move on to something else that I enjoy more. Yeah. Or or even if you've never tried research and you didn't try it because you worked full time, you were yep. volunteering, you had a family, like there are reasons not to have research, um, 100%. good reasons not to have research and bad reasons not to have research and good reasons yep. to have research and bad reasons to have research. So I, let's rewind even further. You had mentioned, right, that I, I love I, I love visualization stuff with students of like visualize sitting in that interview and they, they don't ask you about uh, research. I love that. Medical uh, pre-meds seem to, in general, especially on Student Doctor Network on Reddit where they're, they're, they're pushing all this propaganda. Um, <laughs> the, the general feeling that I get is that everyone is doing things for the application, not for themselves. What are your thoughts there? A hundred percent. I mean, it, it's it's very much driven by what they think people want to read or see, and and by people, I mean admissions committees and folks at the medical school, right? They yep. they they do this because they think that that they think they try to guess what does an admissions committee want to see, and I'm going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And I and and. Uh, Dr. Jones, David Jones, who was at the UT Health Science Center in San Antonio as their admissions person for many years, he would always say, if it's a value to you, it's a value to us as an admissions committee. And I always loved that mm. saying because he didn't say if research is a value to you, he didn't say you know anything specifically. He just said, if you enjoy that, if that's something that is a value to you, and you mentioned a bunch of things that could be of value to a lot of people, full-time jobs, spending time with family, all of these things are of value clearly to those applicants, then it's of value to us as an admissions committee. And I, I think what you said kind of reflects that, right? You, you don't need to do things just because it's what's expected of you. Do the things that make you a better 
make make you feel better about the things that you're doing, the things that you enjoy, the things that help you understand the profession better. Or, you know, if you're a English major, are you in a literary club? You know, are you doing something that also supports a different academic interest? Um, you know, did you play intramural sports? Was that of value to you? Why? Um, you know, you may, may not always be asked to tell why that was of value to you. And, and I think that's kind of the point, right? You don't have to be asked if that was of value to you. But if if you are asked, you need to have a good answer as to why that was valuable. Yeah. And and the language that you just used there, I don't know how intentional it was, valuable to you versus valuable to you as a future doctor. Do you see a difference there? Yeah. I mean, I think many times those can overlap, right? I mean, they're the same kind of things that make a person interesting and fun to talk to at a party um, <laughs> may be different than the same things that make you interesting to be around as a physician. But many times those can be the same things. Those can overlap in many of the same ways. They make people feel at ease. They make people feel comfortable. Uh, and by pa- people, I mean patients. They make them feel comfortable around you as a physician. Um, you know, I, I think of a story when I, I had to go to the doctor one time. Not a huge procedure. I had like a cyst on my back. I needed it removed. And I was terrified. I'm terrified. Despite having worked around doctors all these years, I'm, ter- <laughs> I'm terrified of going to the doctor. And I'm laying there and he's doing some stuff to remove the cyst on my back. And he can tell I'm getting kind of nervous, right? Um, and he says, did you watch the game last night? I was like, what game? And he said, did you watch the Spurs-Mavs game last night? Oh, yeah, I watched that game. Luca this, basketball that. We're talking through the game. Next thing I know, hey, Caleb, we're done. We're done here. And he found something that I knew was interesting, that he found to be interesting. He may not be that big of a basketball fan, but he knew that was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. He used that as a way to make me feel calm, relaxed, and have a, a better experience in that in that room as a physician and as a patient. And so I always think of that as a great example, because that's the same thing you would talk about at a party, right? That's the same thing you would talk about with your friends, but he used it in a way that made the experience at the doctor's office better. So I think that's a, a good example of how those things can be utilized in different environments, but can accomplish the same goal. Yeah. At the end of the day, what, what I heard from that story is the power of human connection, not yes. not the power of everything I did is for, for me as a future doctor. And I swear, yeah. I swear on my, my firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn that I'm going to be the best doctor and everything I do is dedicated to being a physician. Like that is not what medical schools are looking for. Exactly. <sighs> you, you nailed it. It really is about that, that connection. And I think as an applicant, you know, sometimes students have different responses to that. They say, well, then what am I supposed to do? <laughs> That's the, well, always the response. Like, yeah. And, what do you, and then, yeah. but, but some students look at that and they go, they, you can see them relax. Yeah. They go, Oh, you mean I can just do the things that I like and do them in a way that support who I am. And yes, it's understood that I need some, some time in a clinic or I want to be a scribe or I, I want to work at a hospital here. Yeah, sure. That's great. That supports that, that goal. But at the end of the day, you still have to be able to connect with your patients. You still have to be able to connect with your colleagues around you. Yeah. And extracurriculars can really help support that, grow that, and just make you a more fun and interesting person to be around too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard me tell the story before. I was I was at a, a pre-med conference uh, many years ago now. And after my talk, I went back to my table and a student came up to me and said, Dr. Gray, 
I have this, uh, I have these two opportunities this, this summer, this one and this one. And I forget what they were, which one, which one should I do? I'm like, are, are you, are you, do you mean like, which one will help you with your application? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, which one should I do? I'm like, well, which one do you want to do? No, no, no. Which, which one will help me stand out more on my application? I was like, I can't answer that for you. Number one, because I just, I don't believe in just activities helping students stand out. Medical schools have seen it all. Uh, but which one are you more passionate about? Which one do you want to do? And the student literally like turned around, huffed, huffed off and, and, and stormed away. And, and he was mad that I wouldn't answer his question. They're impossible questions to answer. What will stand out on an application? What should I do uh, for an activity? Um, yes, obviously students need to be getting clinical experience to make sure they like being around patients, right? Sick patients are not fun to be around. It's an yep. amazing experience. It is a privilege to take care of, of people. Um, and it is very hard to do. Uh, you have to shadow, right? I, th I believe you have to shadow, yep. um, to understand what the life of a doctor is like. It is very little patient care and a lot of other admin crap, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish, I, and let me hear what your thought is. I wish medical schools would be more forthright in, uh, and, and I believe PA schools do this really well, and this is what we require at a minimum, uh, and this is kind of our historical, maybe last three years, last five years of data that shows students who we interview have this many hours of clinical experience, this many mm. hours of shadowing, this much research, this much publications. Um, I, I fear that data because then students will just kind of work yeah. towards that data. But I think it's better than nothing, which is what we have now. What we have now is no standards. And we tell them, you should go get clinical experience, you should go get this. But, but there's no real requirement around that. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, this is interesting. And, you know, I, I can only speak for myself. I certainly can't yeah. speak for any any particular medical school at all. But I think you're right. It does concern me a little bit that, you know, once you add metrics, additional metrics, or even benchmarks, as you said, kind of lowest bar of expectation. But I, I see your point. I, I think it, in some ways it might be seen as no different than if a school says, we require a minimum of 3.0 for admission. Mm -hmm. How is that any different than saying we require a minimum of, I don't know, 500 hours of, of clinical experience? It's harder to quantify that. I, I always think clinical experience is tough. And I'll tell you why that could be flawed a little bit. But I think the interview susses it out. So for example, if I said, I've spent 10 hours a week in the, in the gym, um, that's two hours every day. And you look at me and you go, <laughs> you two hours in the gym every day you don't look like you have i sit on the Did bench watching go... tiktok <laughs> exactly yeah you know, was i was i just staring at my phone the whole time yeah was i talking to people hanging out by the water fountain or was i really working out yep. and so you can you can get those 10 hours a week in a gym but if you show up now for interview i.e a, a, a tryout or a practice yep. and you're asked to then kind of perform or show what you learn during those 10 hours a week at a gym it becomes very quick you, you you quickly are able to determine that those 500 clinical hours you didn't learn anything yeah those thousand hours those 1500 hours yep. ten thousand. you were just there racking up hours and not doing it to understand who you are in this process 
Exactly right. And so I, I think that there could be some value in that, but I think it would, I think it might, I think it might, I think those same problems would persist. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, the, the AAMC does a, does a good job of just kind of showing you what the core competencies are. And I, I think, it, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a list. It's not secret. It exists and you can look at it, but I think yeah. it's, it is up to you as an applicant to determine what do I want to do? What do I do well that highlight those things on those, on those core competencies? Um, and so, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. I think that would be nice. Uh, of course, as an administrator, I'm thinking of the vast amount of time it would take to <laughs> compile that data and figure out, you know, what was our average number of hours and yeah. what kinds of research. But, but I think, I, I get your point. Having some idea of that yeah. might be beneficial. Sure. Yeah. I, I think of our, our mutual friend, Dr. Scott Wright, uh, who's obviously, uh, an advisor with us. Uh, his, his saying is, it's not about the what. It's about the so what, right? It's not about the yeah. total hours. It's what did you take away from that? And yeah, someone with 100 hours may have an amazing uh, ability to reflect on those 100 hours, have some great takeaways, have some growth from those 100 hours versus the the student who racked up 3,000 hours and and took away nothing and was just kind of there uh, because they were checking off the box. So yeah, there, there's a double-edged sword um, mm -hmm. and I, I, I just hope we get to a point, uh, at some point of, of more transparency in this process, um, for students to understand, especially for, for disadvantaged students, uh, underrepresented students who don't know the right questions to ask, but they can go to a website and read, right? And if there's no information there on expectations, um, even at a minimum level of here's what we expect you as an applicant, um, then, then it's hard. And I, I think yeah. medical school websites, uh, and you can take this back to your team and you can <laughs> go, go see what your site has. I, I think, right. Uh, I, I did a, a talk a couple of years ago to a, a room full of admissions committee members. And I, I was speaking on behalf of pre-med students and the talk was all about transparency. And I said, I had my team look at 100 medical school websites. Uh, and I think the number off the top of my head is 24. 24% of the websites mentioned anything about rolling admissions. Mm. That's, that's a shame, right? You are yeah. doing students a disservice if you have rolling admissions and you don't mention that on your website. Mm. To me, that's theft, right? <laughs> You're just blatantly lying. Right. Uh, and, but students don't know. They don't know. Yeah. And I think it's it's hard for people who have been in the system for so long to understand what it's like to not know things. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. We we actually talk about this frequently. That you know, I, I think even even when I was advising, um, especially when I was mentoring new advisors, I would always have to say. Remember the students that you're talking about. That may be the tenth student that you've spoken with. Um, they still don't know what the first student didn't know, right? Yeah. Like you, you have to. I, I would always say, treat your first student of the day like your last student of the day, and, and vice versa. Like you, you want to just make sure that you're always starting with the baseline. And 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 even if you have to say to students, don't. I'm not trying to be insulting here. I'm just going to take this from the very baseline minimum. And if you already know this, I apologize. But I want to make sure that that we have a a baseline minimum before we even move forward with those deeper and bigger discussions. Because you're right, you can't ex assume that a student 
gets it or understands it, especially as you said, when it's someone like me that's been entrenched in this world for so long, uh, you know, we, we see these truths to be self-evident and not everybody <laughs> always feels that way, especially if they're a new student, yeah. especially if they're a freshman, even, even new to college too, right? Yep. And starting to navigate it very, very early on. So I, th- I think that's a good point that the folks like me and others out there need to, need to be reminded uh, yeah. that students are, are starting from scratch. They starting really don't from scratch. I, I literally had a, a conversation this morning for uh, another pre-med years podcast interview, student who's finishing her first semester of medical school now started undergrad in 2015, right? Google's alive. <laughs> we, the internet's working, uh, all of that stuff. Got to junior year, didn't know anything about the MCAT, right? That was my story. But I was in school <laughs> at the end of the, the 90s, uh, yep. 1990s. Um, and so it was a little more understandable because the internet was less of a thing. We still had dial up, like <laughs> all of that fun stuff. Yep. And it's still a thing. Right, that people don't understand, and and so like anyway, so back back to activities, right? Getting back to <laughs> getting yeah. back to how do students know what they should be doing, right? Yeah. If if it's not to quote check a box, and it's it's let me go live my life and do chase my passions, right? As cliche as it sounds, it's the truth. How do they know then? Besides us telling them right now that, yeah, you, you need to go get clinical experience. You need to go get shadowing and here are the reasons why. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good, a good point about access and the ability to get the information that you need. Right. And I think that's why, um, well, to be completely candid, this is why MAPT and, and all the things that you do have become so big and popular, right? Students are looking for access to this type of information. They go to the internet or they go to their advisor or they attempt to go to their advisor. Um, and especially if they go to, let's just say a big school like University of Florida, and you know, there's lots and lots of students there and a lot of them are pre-med and they may not have the infrastructure to support advising all of those students. And even if they do, maybe not um, advising them to the extent that they would like. And so students then go out to the internet and they go to these forums that we were talking about to look for that information. And, and, and sometimes that information is great. Sometimes it matches their story. Sometimes it doesn't. But then it's also you try to sift through it, right? You, tr- you try to sift through, is this, a, is this an urban legend or is this true? Um, you know, is, is this being corroborated by multiple sources? And I, But I think you're right. I think if for me, I would always tell students, first place to go is at least at least – Try to talk to your health professions advisor mm-hmm. to get some of that information as you can. I know I, I was health professions advisor for many, many years. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I do know that the level of health professions advising from institution to institution differs very greatly from yeah. like, world-class like advisors. Career. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. World-class advisors to my school doesn't even have a health yep. professions advisor, right? And so you, you know, you want you want to I, I always think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Go get the information that you need. Um, and now I've forgotten what your question even was, but <laughs> but, but my my point is you, you go where there are experts that know and that you trust and that are giving good information that have a track record yeah. of, of helping students achieve the things that they want to achieve. Yeah, yes, and uh, and you have to come into it with an understanding that there isn't one answer for everything. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Yes. Because there are two hundred plus. That's my biggest problem. There, there are two hundred plus medical schools, two hundred plus admissions yep. committees with varying perspectives. 
Yep. And 60,000 students in the applicant pool that also all have different stories and experiences that may or may not match all of those different schools that you just talked about. And, you know, I think, I think this goes back to that, those extracurriculars too. You know, you talked about the student that had a 4.0 that, you know, has, has the great MCAT scores. Um, And, and sometimes it's this, you know, you you know, all of this, it's like, (laughs) when did they apply and did they apply in the, to the right schools that fit their mission how many schools did they apply to? Um, you know, there's, there's so, you're right. There are just so many variables that are stacked all on top of each other. Yeah. And those typically what you get on a forum is you get that one entry on a forum on a, on, you know, Reddit or SDN or wherever it is, is that one person's story, right? There, yeah. That's the one, it's one story. It's a, it's literally a one page story. Uh, and we know we've worked with enough students over the years that the, those there are volumes and volumes and volumes of pages of students that may or may not look like the student that's reading that one page. So they, they really have to sift through all those different stories to, to see. And, and you, you've been doing this for years. You know, you've been telling those stories for a long time. And so I think the value is students hearing them. The more stewards, the students hear, the better. Yeah, the more, the better. So, Caleb, can, yes. can I get... <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot. Can I get from you right now uh um the promise <laughs> so it's an easy no, the promise that your school, this new school, Thomas F. Frist Jr. College of Medicine, will That's not correct. participate in the US News and World Reports rankings. Please. Oh man. Please come on, please. <laughs> I, I I that is that is above my pay grade. I, I don't and, and to be honest, right now, Ryan, we are so kind of early in yep. that building process. I I would guess that and I don't know. I'm only guessing if anyone out there from 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 Thomas Ephraim <laughs> Junior College of Medicine is listening to this as well. That's that is a decision made for to, to be made by others. Yes. And I'm with you. We we talk about this all the time. Uh, in in my world, you know, we really do wish we could rid ourselves of these rankings. They're so entrenched. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> you you know me. I'm new. I'm new here in yep. the med school world, right? Yep. Uh, I, you know, I'm 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 new at a new med school. So not not only am I new, I'm new new. And so, yeah. um, but you know, to answer your question, and I think you knew the answer to this for me from coming from me would be yep. no. Uh, if there was a way I had any sort of level of influence over that, I'm sure I, I would try my best to to do that. But yeah. What do, you, what do you think um, yeah. is the the impetus for the law schools to start dropping it? I, I don't know if you've seen I, that. I think in, it's all, in, in the yeah, news. I, I yeah, I think it's all the issues that we we always talk about. You know, um, trying to move away from focusing on the things that aren't really the things that we should be focusing on, which yeah. are, are many times you know everybody gets so hung up on metrics, mm-hmm. and and you know in in our world we we've talked about what those metrics are, but you know. I think rankings are an important metric for some people. It, it's important if you're at the top, right? You know, it's it's funny the schools that always say, "Yeah, we we are cool with not using rankings." There are always the schools that are in like the top five. They don't they they already know they're at the top of the of the <laughs> rankings. You know, they're always going to have that name recognition, right? Yeah. Uh, the 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 big the big Ivies of the world. Uh, they they have that. Um, you know what what drives it? probably some of the same thing that drives students to choose activities because they think they're checking a box to be honest. Yeah. 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 
uh, money at the end of the day drives and money well, drives that, everything. <laughs> that's, that's probably yeah. part of it too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, w- I won't, I won't pretend to know all of the inner workings of it, but, yeah. but I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's at the root of it as well. Yeah. Impossible question to answer. Uh, but yeah, if, if you can put in a good word to, uh, to maybe not participate, <laughs> do that, do that for me. Um, let, let's wrap up. Uh, final, sure. final words of wisdom for a student right now who is early on and is just trying to figure out what do I need to do uh, in this crazy process to, to spend my time with to help medical schools understand that I want to be a doctor and that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great applicant. Yeah. I, I think it's two parts. The first is the well-established fact that we've talked about, find out if this is what you want to do first, right? Um, and you said you said it well, it, this is as much for the admissions committee as it is for the applicant, for the applicant to know if medicine is the right fit. Because if you do tons of experience, uh, clinical experiences, and you're around sick patients, and you realize, wow, I really don't like this, I would much rather a student figure this out freshman year of college sophomore year of college, earlier in the process, before they've spent all the time, energy, effort, money moving toward this goal, right? So that that's kind of the first thing. And then the second piece, it's going to sound really, really cheesy, but it's, it's be yourself. Um, do the things that drive you, the things that you enjoy, um, the things that make you tick, because that, that, it has a cumulative effect. Mm-hmm. It helps keep you balanced. It helps keep you from from stress. Um, it helps you remember why you're doing the things that you're doing and why you're working so hard so you can do the fun things that you enjoy in life and also just stay grounded. And so that, that part of being yourself is just so important. Um, because as Dr. Jones said, if it's a value to you, it's a value to an admissions committee. And so first of all, establish this is what you want to do. Got to do clinical experience to do that. Secondarily, be yourself. Med schools, as you said, We've seen all kinds of applicants. We know what all kinds of applicants look like. And we're able to suss out who is authentic and maybe who isn't demonstrating their authenticity as much as others are. All right. So there you have it again, Dr. Caleb Marsh, Director of Pathway Programs and Recruitment at Thomas F. Frist Junior College of Medicine, a new medical school in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm assuming I th- I'm thinking again. This is this is not official knowledge, uh, official from the school, but I think the goal is to start taking AMCAS applications for the 2023-2024 cycle a little bit later in the cycle, as soon as they get their preliminary accreditation from the LCME. So stay tuned uh, on their social media platforms and and just on the pre-med years and Medical School HQ platforms as well. We'll, we'll announce that kind of stuff when it happens. I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, we're, we're going to have more and more medical schools opening uh, as Supposedly, we have a physician shortage coming. Uh, I still have, I, I keep telling people I would love to see some data outside of the AAMC and the AMA saying we need more physicians um, because those two organizations have way too much bias in this process to say we need more because they stand to benefit a ton from more physicians. So yeah, if any of you listening know of any really good unbiased data looking at 
the the need for more physicians in this country. I would love to see it. I like I like good data. I cannot lie. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Premed Years. This is MedEd Media.